0: Saber from Hoof Falls and Footfalls. We are going to go ahead and get started here with the live instructor chat for skill progression. Um, so, for those of you that are joining in either live or on a replay, if you guys can comment with where you're from, that would be awesome because I'd love to hear where you guys are from. So just a little bit about me um if you guys are kind of new to hoof falls and footfalls and this is maybe the first time that you're joining in here um my goal is to provide accessible education and it and continued development to adaptive riding instructors and also able-bodied riding instructors because a lot of what we do in both you know adaptive riding and able-bodied riding really play off of each other a lot. Um, so, you know, i I specialized in adaptive riding for the past 10 years, but I've taught able-bodied for, you know, over 15 now. Um, and I can definitely say that each one has made me a stronger instructor, depending on what I'm doing. But overall, hoof falls and footfalls, I really want to provide uh, quality, accessible, affordable education to instructors. And one of the ways that I do that is through this live instructor chat and this topic that we're going mm-hmm to be discussing today was actually um, voted on by the followers of the Hoof Falls and football footfalls page. This was the second most popular topic. Um, So we are going to be jumping into skill progression today. (laughs) Uh, And it's kind of funny because, you know, skill progression seems to be one of those like elusive unicorns of like, well, I'm not sure if I'm doing it. I don't know, you know, if I'm doing it right. Uh, You know, skill progression just kind of seems to be one of those very common trouble sticky points for instructors across the board you know, I think there's a lot of information out there about what we're supposed to teach um, but not a ton of information about how we're supposed to teach and I know it's out there and people teach people how to teach but it's not super accessible um, you know unless some of you guys have some other resources that I haven't run across yet but hopefully making teaching techniques more accessible uh and i will be doing A Q&A at the end of this uh live presentation so if you guys have questions either jot it down in the uh comments area or you guys can you know jot it down on your phone or a notepad or something and ask at the end just a heads up my brain does kind of get a little scattered if i try to read comments in between so i'm going to be doing chunks of pres- presentation um, check in with you guys and then going to that, uh, you know, kind of back and forth just so I can keep, uh, my brain focused, especially with kind of having some sick fuzz going on right now. And welcome to Carolyn and Sherry and Anne. So Carolyn from North Carolina, Sherry from Chino Valley, yay, Arizona, and Anne Rainey from Pennsylvania. All right, so um, we're gonna be talking about skill progression today. So for those of you that are joining, joining in right now or even joining in um, when it's not live, if you can leave a comment of what comes to mind when you think of skill progression. Is it something you're comfortable with? Do you not know what it is? Do you think you're kind of doing it but you're not sure? So you know, leave that comment. I love to hear what you guys think about skill progression and your current feelings about this topic so let's look at a couple definitions here of skill progression Um, and if you google skill progression there's really not much that comes up other than like lists of how to teach like basketball drills or track and field drills but there's not really a how to do skill progression what we're limited to a lot is lists of how do we progress through those skills that we're teaching Um, and another way that you can or another term for skill progression is also learning progression. So the way that you progress through learning a sequence of things. And as defined by edglossary.org, learning progressions or skill progressions are typically categorized and organized by subject area. So we're usually we're used to thinking of like math, science, um, you know, language arts, stuff like that. And those uh, map out a specific sequence of knowledge and skills that students are expected to learn as they progress through their education. So that's really it on learning progression. There's a little bit of discussion on, you know, kind of what it is, what it looks like in the classroom, but there's really not a ton of information on how to do skill progression. So I'm going to try to tackle this beast of the topic today. And the other uh, definition I'm going to refer to right now is actually from this big old monster book that I got probably about four years ago at a PATH International Conference. Um, But it's the Comprehensive Guide to Equine-Assisted Activities and Therapies. And I am in by no ways knocking on this book at all. I love it. Um, Super, super good resource. As you can see, I have tons of sticky notes. I have notes all in it. Um, But it's you know, kind of point in case is skill progression in this book is covered on three pages and it kind of combines a lot of other topics as well. So, um, you know, again, kind of a, one of those topics where we talk about it, but we don't really go a ton of in-depth into how to do it and different techniques and methodologies. And again, totally not bashing this book at all. I love it. Uh, So please don't take my comment about them not having a lot of skill progression information in there as a bad thing. They had a ton to fit in here and and they had to limit some stuff. So um, skill progression, like I mentioned before, it seems to be a really common trouble point across the board for all levels of instructors. New instructors coming in, uh, instructors that have been doing this for years and maybe we know how to do it, but we just don't know how to teach it to new instructors. Um, Or we just may not even know if we're doing skill progression with our students and, you know, are we doing a good job at progressing them through different things? So some sticking points on skill progression that kind of came to mind as I was thinking about that, about this topic is that instructors might already be competent in the topic and in applying skill progression, but they just may not know that they're doing it because it sounds like more of a technical complicated term and hopefully by the end of this discussion or the, either you feel, you know, more reassured in what you're already doing um, or you're already confident in skill progression and this is just a way for you to build up your knowledge base or, you know, maybe this will give you tools of how to better do skill progression. Um, How we progress our riders also seems to trip up a lot of us in the able-bodied and adaptive realms because it's not black and white and a lot of us like kind of that black and white answer um, of, you know, when I get someone on a horse, I want to go from point A to point Z all in this order, but that's not the reality of teaching. There's a lot of different factors and support items that go into skill progression. So it's not just this cut and dry, cut dry black and white list uh, that we have in front of us that we can always, you know, just use every single time. When instructors in training or even seasoned instructors ask for resources on skill progression, it often comes in the forms of lists. So, uh, you know, lists as far as you know, this is the general order that you need to progress your rider in skill-wise. But there's, uh, you know, not a ton of information on what goes into how those lists were composed is there you know why do those lists go in that order and um, you know there's not a ton of information out there there are some resources that provide it but a lot of it comes in the forms of lists and for people who don't do well with lists or who are very black and white they tend to think that that list is you know cut and dry and that we need to follow that step by step which would we can't always do that and um you know when we do have those lists and they act as a good great general guideline and a general starter um, but when things deviate from that list so we run into adaptive riding a student where they have an atypical presentation of what we know is normal or maybe we have a student that's on a horse that's really bouncy and something goes wrong with that list that we're given and we can't progress in the way that we're normally used to where do we go from there so Instead of taking this time to t- go over all of the orders that you should be progressing your riders in and giving you guys another list, well, I guess I'm going to give you a list because it's it's uh, points of what you should think about during skill progression, but it's not a strict list of you are going to do A, B, C, D in this order with your riders. There's going to be different pieces that I'm going to encourage you guys to think about when you're thinking about skill progression with your students. And hopefully by the end you'll feel more confident about skill progression and progressing your students. And some of the techniques that I'm going to be mentioning, because I'm not just going to talk about skill progression, but I might toss out some other teaching techniques or traits of an instructor. I have to cover them briefly just for the sake of time, but uh, I do have resources on my website and also other Uh, my blog posts and the Facebook page here that go more in-depth on those topics. So, um, you know, I do apologize that I have to kind of brush quickly over them during this chat, but we're focusing mostly on skill progression. Um, I do have resources for those other skills that we will be talking about. So... I'm gonna take a quick look here. CHA composite manual does a d- decent job in starting with the basics, then going to the next advanced skill. Yeah, so um, you know they, they kind of outline the skills that they that you're supposed to progress through. Same thing with Pony Club manuals. Um, you know outlining the skills and the progression. I think you know Pony Club manual, manuals probably go a lot more technical on things than CHA. Um, you know very good references. I use both of them for uh, progressing riders through skills and a really good outline. Um, so yes, CHA composite manual and Pony Club manuals are both very good resources and Sherry, thank you for posting that. All right. So we're going to talk about some points here that I want you guys to consider when you're thinking about skill progression with your riders. And there's five points that we're going to be hitting today in this chat. And the first point that we're going to be talking about is that not every student progresses in the same exact way. And this is true for able-bodied riding. So for those of us that work with typical youth or adults that don't have a physical cognitive or emotional disability, but this is especially true for those of us that work in adaptive riding. When we have someone who has a physical cognitive or emotional disability, that kind of throws in um, some additional challenges and things to think about when we're progressing our riders through skills so skill progression when we're given those lists of skills those can come in handy and act as a guide or sometimes they hit us as a roadblock and we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of you know acting as a guide or acting as a roadblock so like i mentioned every rider progresses in their own way and we have to figure out what the best way to progress that rider is that works for that specific individual. So if you're progressing your students, would you say that doing a sitting trot, a posting trot, or a two-point trot uh, is the proper first step? And go ahead and throw out your comments. What do you think? Do you think sitting trot, posting trot, or two-point trot? And it's kind of funny because I've seen some... uh, some pretty heated discussions going to, you know, the correct answer on this. So what do you think the correct answer is for that? And while you're typing in your answers, um, you know, kind of, and I probably already gave this away, but the correct answer depends on your rider. So, you, you know, a lot of people like to start with sitting trot. Some people like to start with posting trot. Some people like to start with two-point trot. Um, and, and kind of the answer to that is there is not one correct answer. It depends on your student, it depends on the horse they're on, and especially in adaptive riding, it depends on their physical ability. Um, so you you've got to think about all of those different pieces. Um, I had a rider that you know, and this was way back at the be- the beginning of my teaching where i was dead set that my students are going to learn how to sit that trot before they can post and they're gonna sit it quietly and not bounce on the horse's back and i had ride a rider we tried for weeks to get that darn sitting trot and she was on a glass smooth horse couldn't get it um and so i was like you know what okay never mind let's try something else and i finally got out of my rut that i was stuck in that i had to do sitting trot with the student first and we tried posting in Two Point, and that worked extremely well for her. So, you know, point in case there, I was so dead set on thinking that sitting trot is the absolute first step to introducing the trot to a person that I got stuck. Um, and I wasn't looking at the big picture of what my rider needed. And, you know, I was thinking, well, she's got a smooth horse, so she should be able to do this why can't she do it? And I, it was my fault as an instructor that I wasn't shifting my, my thinking and my methods to give her a different way to try that trot. Um, and you know, we've, we've gotta be a little bit flex, flexible in, in thinking about how we progress our riders. So another question here, does every rider need to be able to ride with only a horse leader before they go offline? And this is more kind of adaptive riding realm than able-bodied but do you think that a student needs to be with just a horse lead so not a full team of 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 helpers so a horse lead two sidewalkers um you know all of that before they go offline or could a rider ride offline with a full team and that be an okay skill progression what do you think about that i'm gonna take a drink here because i'm still super dry Okay, so going back to my question, does every rider need to be able to ride with only a horse lead before they go offline or could someone ride with full team and still be okay? So this is actually a situation I personally ran into. Um, And again, I'd say it depends on the rider. For most cases in skill progression, I'd say that yes, a rider should probably be only with a horse leader and demonstrating, um, I've got five offline rules that I need to see before someone can go offline. But um, I have had a rider that had a full team. The only hindrance to her was that she was extremely tall um, and she needed sidewalkers to help her rebalance um, if she got a little bit off kilter because her legs would squeeze in and she would just need a little bit of assistance, but she could verbalize when she needed that assistance. So we kept those sidewalkers with her. Um, And... The other factor to that is that she had a very a horse that I knew well that tolerated her long legs and that little bit of moment of her trying to re stabilize. So she was that exception to the rule and the one that, you know, kind of threw off my regular progression of going from, um, you know, only having a horse lead to being offline to someone being with a horse leader and two sidewalkers as their support to facilitate independence and allow her to progress. Um, and, you, and there were, you know, several factors that go into to that decision to be to allow that rider to go offline with a horse lead and two sidewalkers and not just, you know, one volunteer. Uh, so, again, how to think outside of the box and you know, why was I not letting her ride offline? Um, what were the factors? How could we compensate for it? How could we progress skill wise, maybe in a little bit different way for her, but still progress her? So whenever you choose to deviate from the norm, um, you know, kind of like these examples I've thrown out here, uh, just, just two examples of some things that have happened. There's numerous examples of when we might have to deviate from the normal skill progression, but whenever you do deviate from the norm, you have to think through all the components and have solid whys for why you're choosing to go about things a little bit differently than what is typically accepted for skill progression. So, you know, if you have a rider um, and you usually do a sitting trot or a posting trot first, but that's just not working and you're going to teach them um, to hold a two-point at the trot, have a solid why of why you're doing that. What's the horse factor? What's the equipment factor? What's the factor with the student? Um, same thing with, you know, going back to the rider that rode offline with full team instead of just being with a horse like, uh, horse leader. Why was it suitable for that rider what what was the reasoning behind it what were my solid whys um you know and and that really helps you back up your choice of when you need to deviate from skill progression and then also if you get pushback from other people of you know well i see you doing this with this student why can't you do it with this one and there is some give and take with our students of what's suitable for them so kind of going back to that list that I mentioned at the beginning, our list can definitely come in handy for a guideline of where we should kind of go and the general guidelines and outline of where we should progress, but don't let them be so concrete in your mind that they create a roadblock for you and that you have, that you think it has to be done in a specific order. You can definitely view the list as a suggested guide, but for every student that you work with, you know, take that guide and look at other skills that are kind of at a similar progression level and see if there's somewhere else that you can go first if that next step that you take, say the sitting trot, is not working for that rider. Could you take an alternate route and eventually circle back to that sitting trot? So, that's first point. First point, not every student progresses in the same way. Second point that we're gonna talk about about skill progression. Is that there are skills in capital letters, and that's like your main skill, and then there are lowercase skills, so your supporting skills. So, example of main skills could be um, steering your horse, posting trot, sitting trot, you know, all of those main like m- milestones that we think of when we're riding. But in order to get to those big capital letter skills those main skills there are a lot of supporting lowercase skills that we have to teach our riders and make sure that they have an understanding of before they can attempt that big letter skill so let's again think back to those lists that we've commonly seen of okay we progress our riders you know, through these five things at the walk, and then we do these three things at the trot, and then we canter. But they, um, you know, those, those skill progressions are lists of the big capital letter main skills, and a lot of them leave out the lowercase little skills that you have to piece together in order to make your rider competent and safe enough to try those big letter capital main skills. So, um, a lot of times we, we jump from main skill to main skill. And I think that's probably, you know, due to the list we see, due to kind of the common pro- the progression we see in our brains is that, okay, well, our riders, you know, walk, track, canter, that's where we go. Um and and we forget about all of those little skills in between so when you're thinking about skill progression don't forget about the little supporting skills that you have to practice in order to be able to try that big capital main skill and those little reinforcing skills the supporting skills have to be reinforced every lesson and those are something that you practice on a regular basis in order to maintain um, fluency in them and to become more able to perform them without really thinking about it and hopefully perform those little skills without so much guidance from you as the instructor. You know, we, we want our, our students to become independent in being able to do all those supporting little skills and also those big main skills like trotting and cantering and turn on the forehand and all of those types of things. Um, and, and to get those breakdowns, Uh, Of the the big main skills, we have to do a task analysis on those big skills So for example trotting when we talk about trotting, let's say sitting trot for the sake of of discussion There are so many things So many little skills that you need to make sure that your rider knows how to do Before you go and you just turn them loose at the trot and of course and again totally depends on is your rider supported do they have a horse leader at the trot do they have sidewalkers at the trot um are you asking them to trot independently so again those are factors that you have to look into but then also what are some of those little supporting skills that your rider needs to know in order to safely trot do they need to know rein control do they need to know uh, leg cue, so how to give a leg cue and then release the cue. Do they need to know how uh, proper position while the horse is moving at a faster gait? Do they need to know how to do verbal commands or some type of command to cue their horse on? What are the supporting skills that you're going to require of your rider that prepares them in order to safely attempt that first main big letter skill without making you know a, a stupid mistake and asking your rider to do something that they're not ready yet because you haven't given them those supporting skills to know how to safely attempt that skill yet. So going back to those main skills, you know, the the big skills, we got to do the task analysis of that big skill and see what little supporting skills we need to teach our riders. And then those little supporting skills, we have to break those down even more. So task analysis again, to how do we teach that supporting skill? How do we hold our reins? What's the body mechanics behind it? Why do we do it in, in that certain way? Um, you know, and you can refer to my blog posts on the levels of task task progression. So if you want more information on task analysis, uh, look at my, my blog post on that because that's a whole separate topic that we could spend a lot of time talking about. But. When you go from progressing your rider from main skill to main skill, make sure you do a task analysis on that main skill of sitting trot, posting trot, uh, doing a halt, whatever it is, and break break it down into the little supporting pieces that you need to teach your rider and able to, to do that. So do a task analysis on those skills. So, second point was there are skills, big letter main skills, and there are skills so little supporting lowercase skills and we're going to go back to this idea of skills and skills uh, big skills and little skills kind of at the end too so we're going to circle back to this all right so third point progressing within a skill is not always to the next big letter skill and i think we get stuck like i mentioned earlier on you know well once our rider walks they have to go to the trot and then once we trot oh it's below them to do a walk or we can't spend as much time on the walk because no they're trotting now and then when they trot well of course the next logical progression is cantering but once we canter, we've got to spend more time doing cantering because we can't go back to trotting because they're past that and you know I would say that the more advanced instructors um, and instructors that have been doing this while probably don't fall into this mindset but I think Beginning instructors um, usually have this habit or, or are more likely to fall into this mindset of this you know, hard and fast progression of once we walk, we trot. Once we trot, we can or once we can or we jump or we run barrels or whatever that next you know, faster thing is. And we forget that we can actually progress within a skill. So within walking, within reining, Within two point or half seat, uh, within sitting trot. We can progress within that skill and it be skill progression. You don't have to go to that next big skill. You can progress within it and still progress your riders and make them uh, more independent and more capable and well rounded students. So there's a lot of different ways that we can progress our riders within a skill without jumping to that next level and different ways that we can support our riders within skills is by looking at these different pieces and the first piece we're going to look at is support so going from supported to independent that's progress right there so starting a rider with full support two sidewalkers, a horse leader, and moving them to lesser support at the walk. That's skill progression right there. So even though we didn't move up a gate from walk to trot, by having that rider go from more support with a volunteer to less support of volunteers, we have progressed them. Going from verbal support to finding the posting diagonal to being able to identify the posting diagonal independently, that right there is skill progression. So we have progressed within the skill of identifying posting diagonals from needing verbal support to not needing verbal support. So you don't have to make this huge jump into, okay, well, now they can post on the correct diagonal when I cue them to verbally. Well, I guess we have to can now. You don't have to make those giant jumps. You progress within a skill. Another point you can look at is length or amount of time that a skill is being performed. So, starting off by trotting your rider down the short side of the arena to trotting down the long side of the arena, that's skill progression. Uh, Being able to practice posting at the walk for two steps and then they go to where they can do 15 or 20 steps, that's skill progression. Being able to do two point at the walk on a straightaway, to two point through a corner or on a circle that skill progression so don't get stuck into thinking that skill progression is only moving from skill to skill to skill progress within the skill Um, next point on on things that you can look at to progress within a skill is progressing in difficulty or adding in more factors so uh you know going from just doing two point on the flat to doing two-point over poles, um, that's a progression right there. You're adding in a factor of the pole, and not just doing it on the flat, but going over a race, race obstacle. Another factor: verbalizing or teaching the skills. So, can you get to the student? Can you get your student to where they're not just doing the skill independently? but can they then explain or teach that skill to you or to a volunteer or to a peer? Being able to get that knowledge and that information out and share that knowledge is a completely different level of progression and understanding of that skill. Uh, Moving from being able to ride the basic task analysis to the steps of a more advanced task analysis. And again, you're gonna have to kind of refer to my blog on the levels of task analysis for this. But going with your uh, rider and and if you have a lower functioning rider that's at that basic task analysis where we're looking on shifting our eyes while we turn our horse around the corner or maybe just tapping the horse with our right hand for a right turn or whatever that is, getting them to move to where they can look and tap and verbalize, that's a skill progression. Or maybe we get to where we can actually hold the rein during a turn through the corner. That right there is skill progression. Um, and then last thing yeah, could that where you can progress within a skill would be moving to a different horse and moving to a different horse is like a skill on its own, but being able to do all of the same skills that that rider has been practicing. So, to point at the walk, sitting trot, posting trot, whatever it is on the horse that they've been on and being able to transfer that knowledge onto a new horse that has different movement. So maybe it's a quieter moving horse or a bigger moving horse or maybe more forward and reactive to cues or maybe more dead-sided. You know, Being able to do skills on a different horse, that's skill progression. Uh, And that's a wonderful thing to be able to teach your students is how to adapt to different horses. All right, so that was third point. So remember that for skill progression, you can progress within a skill and that you don't always have to go to the next skill. Fourth point, skill progression is not linear, it's layered. And hear me out on this. Skill progression, again, the the list I think kind of have this in this line of thinking that it's always linear, always, 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 you know, progressing, moving forward, moving faster. Um, but we forget that in order to have good solid skill progression you have to go back and layer stuff on each other. So going back and progressing your rider further within that skill that you practiced a few months ago. Now they may be ready for more components of that skill of say going through a turn. Um, Maybe your rider started out just using a good body position, turning their head and steering. But now that we've practiced a little bit more stuff on the horse, we've maybe uh, progressed to some more big major skills, the capital letter skills, we can go back and add in some additional components to steering through a corner. So maybe we use our seat aids or our leg aids in that corner and we're progressing that rider within that skill And yes, we went kind of backwards a little bit, but this is going, by layering those pieces on that lower level skill, it's now going to make us be able to progress even further. So going back and adding layers to all of those skills that your rider has already, um, you know, kind of learned, you can go back and add more pieces. So go back and layer on things. So... Um, you know, support is one, a a great example of layering and going back and layering and not just assuming that once you've reached a certain point, Oh, well, I don't need to go back to this. So support. Um, so, and and I've seen this a lot. Uh, A rider is moved from supported at the walk to independent at the walk. So the rider is able to ride the horse independently at the walk. They don't need, um, someone, you know, leading the horse around for them. So sometimes when a rider gets that point, we kind of fall into this line of thinking of, oh, well, they're independent at the walk, so now that we do trotting, they're, they're going to be independent there at the trot as well. You know, we don't need to go back to being supported at the trot. Well, when you really think about it, kind of your base level at the trot for a lot of riders and even in able-bodied riding, I don't just throw people out there and let them go trot by themselves. I give support to them at the trot first and then we scale back that support as we learn it at this new gate. So we start supported at the walk, we progress to independence, we start then we start supported at the trot and we progress to independence. So just because you reach a new capital letter, big skill, doesn't mean that you throw out the window kind of that base starting level of that skill don't be afraid to add back on support when your rider starts to move faster or does more difficult things um do lunge line lessons add in an extra volunteer do sidewalkers do a hold you know and it depends on if you're doing able-bodied or adaptive riding but don't be afraid to go back and add a little support onto your rider because it's a new big skill that they might need support in your horse is moving faster Uh, There's more information, there's more input. Your rider is going to be able to process less information the faster their horse goes and the more sensory input they're getting. And that applies to everybody, not just special needs riders. So don't forget about support. Um, Complementary skills. So remember that when we progress a rider to the next skill, it also means that you need to pull on complementary skills. Um, and also, you know, other support skills. So, for example, um, when I'm progressing my rider from just looking and reining through a corner to using their leg aid and their seat to bend the horse through the corner, before I ask them to do that big skill there of reining through the corner with all of those pieces, I also need to make sure that I've taught them the complementary skills. How do we use our leg aid to bend? How do we use our seat? to stay balanced around the corner. Um, so make sure that when you're adding on to a big skill, or you're progressing to the next major skill, that you don't forget to explain those little complementary skills that we sometimes overlook. Um, so you know, leg aids are common, different types of reining, so um, direct reining, indirect reining, opening rain. All of those pieces are things that our riders don't know. I call them kind of common sense terms. So as horse people, we think it's common sense to know what it means to sit up tall or what it means to close our leg or what it means to add a leg aid. But our students don't know what that means. So we have to make sure that we have taught them that so that they can successfully progress to that next skill that we're teaching them or progress further within that current skill that we're on. And also, um, going back to a past skill and adding in new layers and components helps strengthen the current skill that you're working on and prepares them for a new skill progression. Kind of already mentioned this, but I want to hit on it again. So again, moving from a more uh, basic task analysis or your average explanation of that skill to a more advanced task analysis. So throwing in more components and moving parts once your student has a general understanding of it so just because your student is trotting or cantering or doing whatever does not mean that you don't go back to walk activities and continue to refine them and progress more within that skill you can definitely always 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 work on better understanding of the seat aids leg aids reins movement of the horse how horses and riders impact each other mechanically um, you know, there's Olympic level riders that go out and have lunge line lessons because they can focus on the fundamentals. So don't think that your rider is ever above doing something at the walk or doing something at the trot or doing something without stirrups. Um, you know, don't f- just throw away those entry level beginner skills and don't go back and reinforce them and practice them on a regular basis just because you think your riders progress beyond that. All right, fifth point here in skill progression. So skill progression goes hand in hand with other teaching techniques and instructor traits. So as you've probably already guessed um, and observed, task analysis is one of the main ones. And I'm gonna hit on three teaching techniques slash instructor traits that kind of came to mind when I was thinking of this, but there are definitely more of them that go into skill progression than what I'm going to mention today. But it's so important for us as instructors, no matter who you teach, that you become um, more skilled and more fluent in good, solid teaching techniques and in displaying good, solid instructor traits. Um, And if you teach able-bodied writing, this applies to you just because you're not working with someone who, or I'm sorry, just because you're working with someone who doesn't have a disability, that doesn't cut you any room for slack and, you know, slacking off on teaching techniques. Your students will progress better and you'll have more solid skill progression if you implement good, solid teaching techniques. And adaptive writing usually forces you to learn good solid teaching techniques. I can say 100% that I've become a better able-bodied writer and a better able-bodied instructor because of all the things I've been forced to learn and implement through adaptive writing. And if you look at some of those really great, um, well-known trainers and instructors across all disciplines and you start breaking down how they teach and their techniques and their methodologies and their, their instructor traits, you're going to see good solid um, teaching skills and good solid instructor traits. So the three techniques that um, and instructor traits that, that I think really play into skill progression, one, task analysis. So if you're struggling with skill progression, you might need to take a closer look at your task analysis or the way that you break down a big capital letter skill, your main skill, into little supporting lowercase skills so how what little skills do you need to build on each other in order to get to that next big main skill and then also you need skill progression uh or i'm sorry skill progression requires task analysis of your supporting skills so your lowercase skills you have to then break those down into how do you do that skill how do you do it with your body what are the mechanics behind it like i'd already mentioned we can't just say you know well Pull your rein, turn your horse, look this way, look that way. That's being a traffic cop. How do you do those things? And that's the challenge of being an instructor is we need to figure out how and do a task analysis on those skills. How do we turn our horse? How do we pull our rein? How do we close our leg? How do we use our seat? Because those vague common sense terms, our students don't know how to do it. And we have to help them discover how to do that. So the next um teaching uh, technique that i think really plays into skill progression is subject knowledge do you know what you're teaching it is extremely difficult almost impossible to explain something that you yourself are not familiar with or you haven't experienced and i know that i'm probably gonna receive some pushback on this um but you know there's some stuff that riding wise i'm not ever going to be able to do because of back problems that i've had time i just haven't you know gotten around to it but i shouldn't be teaching those to my students if i have not experienced it um so you know that that's something that i i strongly believe in and having book knowledge of how to do something is very different than actually going out and doing it and feeling it. Not being able to feel something gives you a whole missing layer, or I guess it's you know not feeling how to ride a horse yourself gives you a layer that's missing in your teaching. If you don't know what it feels like to go from that first walk to trot, how can you relate to your student? How can you teach that? Um, and I think that's in everything, not just horseback riding. I think that is in everything that we teach. You know, I wouldn't go out and teach skiing because I can barely even go down the hill myself. You know, yeah, could I probably understand a lot of the mechanics behind it and the theory behind it? Sure, but can I actually go out there and do it? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I shouldn't be teaching someone how to ski. I shouldn't be teaching even swimming. You know, like I can do basic stuff, I cannot drown. But, you know, I don't feel confident enough in my subject knowledge of swimming to teach my kids how. I rely on a professional for that. Um, So, you know, subject knowledge. And I know it's a touchy point, um, especially in adaptive riding. And I understand that there are many wonderful instructors that are not able to ride anymore. However, a lot of them have been able to ride in the past or those that are Um, you know, currently not able to ride or have never been able to ride that do instruct. They teach within their, their scope of understanding and their experience. Um, And again, I know I'm probably going to get some major pushback from this, but I I feel pretty strongly in that you need to know what you're teaching. You need to feel it. You need to understand it and able to impart that knowledge. Um, I'm, I'm, got a pretty strong stance on that. You know, I, I can empathize and understand with the other point of view, but um, it's hard and almost impossible to teach them. You just don't know. So, um, let's see here, jumping back on that. Sorry, I kind of got on a different track there. Uh, and so subject knowledge, I would challenge you to also not just increase your theoretical knowledge. So like your book smarts and watching videos and stuff but also increase your practical knowledge. So if you're teaching your student how to do something, if you're able to, you should be out there going and doing it. And especially your horses, you need to school your horses how to do the things that you're asking of them, if you're going to be asking your student to do it with them. Your horses need to be educated as well. So asking your student to do some, a more complicated thing, like pick up a canner lead even, or, um, you know, do a, uh, turn on the forehand, or do a side pass, or go over a trail obstacle. Before you ask your student to do it, can you do it on on that horse, or can someone who's schooling the horse do it on them? So um, you know, prepare your horse. Have subject knowledge. What does it take to go into it? Uh, flexibility. So flexibility is an instructor trait that we need to have when it comes to skill progression. It's a huge key to understanding and grasping the concept that skill progression is not just a hard and fast linear ladder, that there are layers that you can progress within a skill. Um, we've got to be flexible in our, our mentality about skill progression and that we need to have a general understanding of where we should be going so that we're not just all over and going from walk to canter to jumping. But, um, you know, you you just you you've got to have that outline and where you're going but you can't get so hard and stuck in that well we've got to go from this skill to this skill to this skill to this skill there's that gray area um it depends on the horse it depends on your student it depends on the volunteers so there's so many factors that go into skill progression that we've got to take into consideration so like I said there's tons of other uh teaching techniques there's a ton of other instructor traits that come, uh, you know, that come into play with skill progression, but those are the top three that came to mind. And now that we covered the top main five points that came to my brain as I was thinking about skill progression, and usually when I have discussion with instructors in training, and remember those five points are not every student progresses in the same way. There are skills, so big main capital letter skills, and there are lowercase letter skills, supporting skills out there. There's not just main skills. There's main skills and supporting skills. Three, there's progressing within a skill. So not always to the next skill. So progress within a skill. Four, skill progression is not linear. It's layered and complex. And just because you did something at the beginning doesn't mean that you don't go back And five, skill progression goes hand-in-hand with other teaching techniques and instructor traits. And now that we've talked about those five main points, um, I do wanna leave you guys with a few tips to kinda take back to your lessons and that you can apply right away. And before we leave here and I get into questions, I do wanna talk about that feeling that we get in our stomachs as instructors when we're about ready to progress our students to that next skill, but we just are not sure if they're ready. Um, So we're gonna talk about that at the very end. But right now, what can you do to feel more confident? So my main suggestion is to take a look at your lesson and are you aware of and implementing the five points that we talked about today? So take those points, write them down, Um, Take a look at your lesson, are you doing those? Maybe you're already doing them and didn't realize it and you're doing a great job of skill progression and you just weren't aware of it. So uh, remember that your students need to do some things in different order and check yourself. Are you rigid in the order of progression or do you allow some flexibility? Do you work in making sure that you've taught your student all the fundamental lowercase skills that they need before you go into a big major skill? Or do you jump from major skill to major skill because you think that's how we need to progress? Uh, do you incorporate those supporting lower uh, skills or do they kind of get lost in the mix? Do you progress a rider within a skill or do you only feel like you're progressing them if you move them to the next major skill? Do you go back to previous skills and add in additional components? Or once you progress to the next higher level, do you stay there and you don't layer back and have your student practice those again and add on additional pieces and components and layers? Are you implementing other teaching techniques such as displaying traits of good instructor? um, Or I'm sorry, implementing other teaching techniques and displaying traits of good instructor? Or are you struggling in other areas? That might have a domino effect and be impacting skill progression. So those are some things that you can look at um, to make you feel more confident in your skill progression. Uh, or if you're already confident, maybe beef it up a little bit and, and be even more solid in it. And the last piece of advice, and please make sure you guys are um, start typing in questions or comments that you guys have here, because I'll take a look at the end after we talk about this feeling. So a lot of times, um, instructors that I talk to, they're like, well, yeah, I, I think I've taught my, my student all of the skills that they need and we're ready to progress to that next skill, but I just get this knot in my stomach. I get this feeling, and I'm sure, you know, have you guys experienced that feeling of your, your students right on the brink of being ready to do the next major skill, but you're just, you're worried about something going wrong, you're not sure if they're ready, you know, just that feeling of like, ah, I, I don't know if we're ready yet. So... Um, I get it. I felt it. Uh, felt it a ton. I struggle with it. I'm, I'm more of a bubble wrap instructor anyways, um, just because I've, I've, you know, I, I know the liability that goes into it. Um, they're not my kids. You know, I'm probably more lenient with my kids than when, when I'm taking care of someone else's kids and teaching them riding. I get that feeling and that what if something happens? Did I do enough? Wasn't my fault? So if you're about to progress your rider to a new skill, like trotting or cantering or like going offline for the first time you have those major mile markers but you get that feeling that you're just not sure if they're ready but you think they are and you think you've taught them all the skills that they need to know to try that new skill then write it down and I know um, we all hate paperwork as instructors I hate paperwork Hate hate it hate it But we sometimes absolutely need to write things down and it helps our brain process. And it's also a great learning tool for students to see too of, hey, look, these are all the skills that you've learned that has gotten you to this point of being ready to try this new skill of trotting or cantering or whatever you're doing. So write down the main skill that they are about ready to do that you have that, that feeling in your stomach about. So trotting or whatever it is. Um, then you need to do a task analysis on that main skill and see what supporting skills you need or your rider needs in order to safely attempt that skill. So if you're going into a trot, what does your rider need to know and be able to do before they can safely trot. What are the skills they need to know? So write down all of those little supporting skills that they need to know. And at that point, writing it down, you might realize at that point, oh shoot, that I forgot to teach my rider that. And so there, you just did a, a self-check and okay, we need to spend a couple weeks or maybe a couple months working on this. Um, or You write down a supporting skill for the chat and you realize, ooh, you know what, they're not quite proficient in this enough yet. So um, we need to go back and practice that a little more. And when you write down um, the skill and the breakdown and the supporting skills, don't be afraid to resource a colleague or another mentor to go over this list. They might see a critical skill that's missing, um, or maybe it's an uncommon skill that we wouldn't maybe think of, but maybe they had an experience where, you know what, I should have taught my writer this and it would have prevented this accident or this problem later on. So don't be afraid to resource other people to check that list. So once you have your list written down, take that list and go out in your next lesson with your student and go through it and ask your rider to demonstrate all of those skills that you need to see in order to feel confident in them trying that new skill like trotting. Um, and then this provides you another time to check and see, can your rider actually do those skills? Maybe in your head you thought, oh yeah, they're good to go on all these. But then when you actually go out and ask them to do them they're rocky on two or three of them and they need more practice. So right there, you can check off, check off, okay, they're good on these five, but ooh, these three, we need to practice more. And you can even show your student, hey, nice job on these five skills. Look at how far you've come. um, Before we trot or before we canter, we need to solidify these three skills right here. So the next few lessons, we're gonna be working super, you know, we're gonna be working solid uh, to get these skills solid. So again, really good. Uh, motivation for your student to to try to keep progressing and getting those skills solid. And also um, it provides them a little bit more, not more, but it provides them a little bit support too. If they're feeling like, ah, why can't I do this new skill of trotting it or cantering yet, They can see all of the things that goes into them being able to safely attempt that skill. So, um, if the rider can demonstrate all of your skills on the list, and you know it's a solid list, they've done it, you feel confident in them, but you still have that feeling, you have the document, check it off, show it to the rider, show it to the parents, um, sign and date it, and then you have done everything you can to prepare your rider and let them try that new skill. And sometimes it's us as instructors that are holding our students back because we're just not ready um, to, to you know let them try it and we're so scared of that, what if it happens? but you know have that list there and it does really help you mentally wrap your brain around progressing to the next level and if something happens that is just you know something that happens with horses the horse stumbles or something completely random happens who knows and and an accident happens you can go back to the list and look at it and hopefully feel a little better of look i did everything i could do To prepare my rider, they had all the skill sets they needed, and you know, sometimes stuff just happens. So, uh, that's you know, one of my takeaway points for you guys is that if you guys get that feeling, write it down. Write down the skill that you're working towards, write down the things that your rider needs to know, so all those supporting skills, and do a check off. Um, Good habit to get into, and even if you're in a smaller program or you just teach private lessons and it's just you. Don't be afraid to do that and create a little file for your students and pop that in there. You don't have to be at this large, huge center or a huge training barn to do this type of stuff. You can do it in your backyard program. Guess what? I have a backyard program. I literally operate out of my backyard. So just because you're in a backyard does not mean that that it doesn't make you any less professional or hold you to any less of a standard. You can still do good, solid quality skill progression in your riders. Um, take good notes, keep good records, uh, challenge yourself as an instructor, and, um, you know, just keep growing. All right, so I am now going to take a look at the comments and go over them. If you have any questions, comments, anything like that, please pop them in here. All right, I'm going to start from the bottom, so, 31 comments, all right, nice job guys. Thank you guys for tuning in on this. It has been great getting to talk to you guys. Um, and of course, I can't see all the darn comments, so gotta run. Um, so, Rachel, you can definitely see the rest of this. You guys can replay it. Um, if you, like me, can no longer do a skill like me, you have to train your volunteer who rides to teach your therapy horse how to do it yes so if you can't do it anymore you need to train someone else how to do it with your horse Um, or take an able-bodied person if you're teaching adaptive riding and um go go through a skill set with them and try that new skill set with that able-bodied person so that you can work out the skills and the teaching techniques um, of that new skill if you yourself have not been able to do it do it with a skilled rider first so that you can work through the hiccups And then you can maybe try it on a new rider if you're physically not able to attempt it yourself. Um, You know, and again, and like I said, there's stuff that I can't do um, because my back, but either I choose not to teach it um, or I I try it on more advanced students first and then we troubleshoot it. Uh, While I'm looking at these comments as well, just a reminder, please like, comment, share uh, this post. Please like and comment on any hoof falls and foot falls posts that you see in your news feed that comes up because that lets Facebook know that you like this stuff and that you'll keep seeing it. If you don't see stuff from my page, I usually post once or twice a day. Um, that probably means that the algorithm's a little off and you need to like, comment, do stuff like that more so that you keep seeing stuff. Um, I truly appreciate it. If you could share my website, share this uh my facebook page with any other equine people that you know um you're definitely trying to build a larger base i love interacting with people um and you know getting to know everybody and network and share information so please like comment share follow the page all right so i'm not seeing any new questions or comments and my refresh is kind of being silly so I think we're about done here even if you're joining in on a replay you can definitely still comment on this video and I will be checking through this in a few days um you know over the next few days and we'll we'll go from there so shoot me a message if you have any questions questions, you can message me through my Facebook page or shoot me an email at saber.p at hooffallsandfootfalls.com. and And I will see you guys on the next live instructor chat. Hopefully I don't get sick again. And thank you guys for being so flexible and um, being rolling with the flow and letting me do this on another day. So I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your weekend or rest of your day whenever you're viewing this. And thanks again for joining in.